is the Refinery Church Podcast. Each message is from our weekend service right here at our campus located in downtown Brea, California. We hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith. We started a series of teachings a couple of weeks ago to kick off the year, uh, to begin to adjust our priorities to do and to accomplish the things that matter most. Um, I know at the beginning of the year, we like to set New Year's resolutions. We like to set goals. I'm a priority guy. I like to say, okay, what's what matters most? And I want to make sure that I'm accomplishing and doing that. Uh, goals are good, but I, t- I tend to busy myself with tasks when I have goals. I like to say priorities and put those priorities at the top of the list and do those kinds of things first. Um, if you were with us uh, last week, I gave you a tool to kind of help you assess how you spend your time. And I say spend your time like we spend our money because time is valuable, isn't it? How many of you guys agree with me? Time is valuable. You only get a certain amount, and once it's gone, it's gone. It's one of the most valuable assets here on earth. So how do you spend your time? Um, I, I want us to be more intentional about spending our time. And so last week I gave you uh, four simple steps to evaluating, assessing your time, rating the importance of what it is that you do, then budget the hours towards what matters most, and then finally a follow-through, making sure that we stay disciplined to do the things that matters most. Wave at me if you did a few of these this week. You begin to assess your time. Good. I see a couple of hands. I talked with a few of, this, few of you this week, and you said, yeah. I begin to assess and realize, man, I'm spending a lot more time on this. I don't want to be spending time on this. I want to be spending time on what matters most. Good for you. Way to go. A friend of mine um, uh, recently uh, had been fasting food uh, for a period of time, um, and he said, man, as I was fasting, I got into day three, and he was on a liquid fast, so all he was doing was drinking liquids. He wasn't eating solids. And uh, he said, man, I didn't realize how much time you spend Thinking about food, planning to eat food, preparing food, consuming the food, cleaning up after the food. He goes, man, there's a lot of time that we spend around food. And just his fast, his simple fast, helped him to kind of reprioritize and go, you know what? Food is fuel and food is good, but I'm not going to consume all of my time with the pursuit of food. And so hopefully you took some time this week to work through these steps. And if you missed out on the the message last week, check out our podcast online at iTunes. You can do that, or you can check on our website and uh, take a look at the sermons there. All right? So this part of the series of messages is based on an instruction from Jesus Christ. This is what we're camped out on. This is how this series came about. Take a look at these words of Jesus. Jesus said these words. He said, Therefore... Don't be anxious saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? But say these two words, what? But first, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Jesus gives us the formula to living the life that he's designed us for. And it's about priorities. It's about lining up our priorities and doing what matters most first. And he tells us how that's done. But first, prioritizing what matters. Not about you, but I take a look at this and I think, well, there's a question that comes to my mind. But first, seek the kingdom of God. And I go, well, what what is that? What is the kingdom of God? 
What is the kingdom of God, and how do I seek that? Well, that's a great question. And that's actually a question that was asked by a number of Jesus' followers when he was here on earth. Today, I want to look at this, the kingdom of God and seeking first the kingdom of God. What does it mean to be in the kingdom of God? Practically putting those things that matter first towards God's kingdom. And we're going to start with a parable. If you're not familiar with parables, they're found in the New Testament. They were taught by Jesus. And what that is, is it's a story with a meaning and a purpose that reveals the dynamics of God's kingdom. That's what these parables were. And actually, Christina from Luke chapter 15 shared just three quick parables that Jesus taught on. The parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost sheep, and the parable of the lost son. Today, we're going to be looking at another parable found in the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew. Everybody say Matthew. Matthew. It's the first book of the New Testament. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to get into this parable, and I'm going to begin to show you how God tells us in His kingdom there's priorities, and when we put these priorities in proper order, we'll see a blessing. Take a look at this. Beginning at verse 14, Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, and here's the parable. The kingdom of heaven is like, okay, so there you go. Let me start off right at the very beginning. Jesus is saying, so this is what the kingdom is like. If you're seeking his kingdom first, this is what it's like. Here's what it's like. It's like a man going on a journey who called his servants and he entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents. Everybody say talents. Thank you. To another he gave two. To another one. To each according to his ability. Then he went away. I'm going to pause here for just a minute. I'm going to break this down a little bit, and then we'll continue on into the, the parable. We look at this, and I need to clarify something back in that period of time. It's important to note that the term talent, say talent. Talent in this passage at that point was referring to a measurement of, of precious metals. It was a weight of precious metals, typically silver or gold. And they would weigh this out, and this would be used as a form of currency. Uh, at that time in history, a talent of silver was worth about 20 years' wages. And it would be 20 years' wages of an average laborer. So today, a talent would be valued at about $500,000 because if you take minimum wage and you work regular hours for 20 years, you're going to accrue about $500,000. So a talent would be worth in today's times about $500,000. So we look at that and we begin to say, okay, so they're talking about an amount of money that was given for the use of investing. Yes, that was the literal view of that. But there was also... The, the illustration that was being put here, the analogy of the talent. In the 13th century, the English language adopted this word talent, and we began to give it a different definition, a new definition. And most of us today would, would go, well, we kind of, when we think of talents, what do you think of? Uh, America's got talent, right? That's what you think of. That's what many people think of. Talent, talents, you know, musical skills, dancing skills, uh, that I don't possess. <laughs> um, song skills, speaking skills, that might be a talent that you would be considering. Uh, artistic skills, technical skills, um, 
uh, skills in the construction field or the organizational world or, or maybe even uh, in the computer world. Those would be skills. Those would be talents, mechanical talents. We think of talents in that way. And that's a good way to think. As a matter of fact, when we begin to look at this scripture and we think about that, talents, it's very appropriate to say, yeah, this could also be in regards to the talents and abilities that I have. See, I love that when I look at this scripture, there's a couple of meanings behind talent. This parable can apply to a couple of very important areas of our life, our financial area, that's the obvious one, but also in our skills, abilities, talents, and giftings, because those are assets as well. Those skills and talents and abilities, those are assets and they're gifts. They're things that you can foster and make better, but they're gifts from someone, somewhere. Today, I want to apply this meaning to the skills and the giftings that God has given each person. Um, when I first came into my relationship with God, it started with a passage of Scripture from Psalm chapter 139, where it says that God knit me together in my mommy's womb. I love uh, Christina uh, Stover. Uh, I love to walk up to her and just say, you know, God's knitting. He's, he's shaping and forming that little boy that's inside of your belly. Isn't that amazing? I just think that's so amazing. He's, he's putting into that little boy dreams and desires, passions and visions. And I'll stop and I'll put my hand on her shoulder and I'll pray for her and say, Lord, may all those things come to pass that you've intended for this little boy. Each of us were formed together in our mother's womb, and God uniquely placed skills, abilities, talents into each and every person. And I've learned that I need to discover what those talents are and then begin to go, okay, now what do I do with these? Do I keep them for me, for my glory and for my honor? Or do I use them for the one who gave them to me, the master? Uh, there's some categories of giftings that over the years I've learned to kind of break down into a few groups as we've looked into Scripture. There's certain giftings uh, that each of us have been given. Uh, those of us who have said yes to Jesus, Jesus begins to pour into us gifts and abilities to fulfill his mission, to fulfill his work. As a matter of fact, there's three different categories of gifts that we call spiritual gifts that you can discover that God places inside of you to be used for good works that God prepared in advance for you to do. And I've broken them down into three different ones. Say motivational gifts. Motivational gifts, those are those things that motivate you to do what you do, that make you get up in the morning to say, I want to go do this. It's motivational gifts. They're designed into every person created by God when he knits us together in our mother's womb. An example of that is like Zoraida Mora. For those of you who know our precious Zoraida Mora, she has a passion for cooking. And she cooks good, doesn't she? And we say amen who have eaten her food. Man, it makes me feel good. And she's motivated to do that out of a love for hospitality and to care for others. It motivates her. Um, the ability to bring chaos 
it, or, I'm sorry, not to bring chaos. <laughs> That's not really an ability. Well, maybe it is. But to bring order where there is chaos. And as you get to know my wife, Leah, she has an amazing ability to bring order to chaos. And I love it about her. And it's, it's, it's a motivational gift. She's motivated to bring order. We rest better when things are in order and in place. If there's chaos, she can't rest. She's motivated to bring order where there is chaos. And there's those that see people's needs, and they're motivated to help serve and meet those people's needs. That's my mother-in-law, Pam Placencia. For those of you who've met her, she just, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? Like the genie from Aladdin. What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? That's my mother-in-law. She wants to meet your needs. And if, if there's no needs, she'll find a way to make a need for somebody because that it motivates her. These are those motivational gifts. And those are some category, categorizations of motivational gifts. Then there's the ministry gifts. Everybody say ministry gifts. These gifts, um, we read about them in Ephesians chapter 4. These are ministry gifts, and they were appointed by Jesus Christ so that his church, the body of Christ, could function and move forward. And these ministry gifts, there's five of them mentioned in Ephesians chapter 4. They're the, the gift of the apostle, the gift of the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, and the evangelist. These are called ministry gifts to see the ministry of Christ move forward and function. So those are some gifts that are talked about there in Ephesians chapter 4 to build up his body, the church. Uh, one preacher one time said, you know, those are, those are good. The, the prophet, the apostle, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist. That's like a strong fist that if used right will give the devil a black eye. I thought that was really cool, <laughs> old preacher. It's true. It's true. It's a powerful force. When all five of those gifts are functioning and working together in the church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And God will be honored and Jesus' ministry will move forward. And then there's a third group of, of gifts that we call manifestational gifts, or say manifestational gifts. Manifestational gifts, those are those supernatural abilities given by the power of the Holy Spirit where God overlays his super over your natural. And you're able to do things and accomplish things that in many ways would be like seeming crazy and miraculous. There's, there's these gifts of healing, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, praying in heavenly languages. In, in times that you don't know what to pray for, you pray in a heavenly language, and many things are accomplished. These are called manifestational gifts. They're the gifts given by the Holy Spirit to see the body functioning at an empowered and high level. Now, I'm going to be doing a more extensive teaching on these three categories of gifts in a series called Elements, Elements 1.0 and Elements 2.0. In Elements 2.0, we're going to dig into these gifts a little bit more to find out their function and their purpose. But for tonight, I just wanted to kind of introduce them to you to get you to begin to think about yourself, your gifts, your talents, your abilities, the things that motivate you. What are those things that, that are inside of you? that you're using or maybe you're not using. Maybe they're hibernating there. Maybe you've kind of hidden them down because you go, ah, it's not really that important of a gift. Nobody really would care about this. Oh, no, somebody does. He gave it to you so that it would be used. Let's consider these giftings as we look back at the parable, all right? Here we go. Back to Matthew chapter 25, verse 16. Here we go. He who had received the five talents 
went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground. He hid his master's coin. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Notice it says, after a long time. This wasn't just the next day. It was a long time. Came to settle accounts with them, verse 20. And he who had received the five talents came forward. He brought his five talents and the five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more, verse 21. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 22. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents here. I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 24. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you don't sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful, that word also means lazy servant, You knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I have scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money in the bank with bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own, at least with interest. So take the talent from this one and give it to him who has the ten talents. Father, in Jesus' name, give us revelation of truth from your word, I pray. Amen. So the master gives talents to three different men with the expectation that these talents are going to be used, right? And then he goes away expecting to come back, seeing these talents used, and profited from these talents. The first two of them used those talents and saw those talents make a profit and bring increase. They did good. Now, they were different. Some had five talents, and he was expected to make a profit on those five. Others just had two talents, and he was expected to make profit on the two. But both of them were spoken of in the same way when it came time to return them. Different amounts, because their talents were different, but they had an equal percentage of return. Both of them had 100% return, right? 100%. They both did well with what they had. These guys made full use of their opportunity, not for their own advancement, but for their Lord's advancement to see their Lord's kingdom advanced. See, Jesus has given us some insight. He said, this is how the kingdom of God is. The master gives talents, and there's an expectation that those talents are used for the kingdom, for the kingdom. And they sought first his kingdom. These two guys did. They used their talent for their master because they knew who gave them the talents and what they were intended to be used for. They made crucial decisions about the investment of this God-given ability, not ultimately to profit themselves, but that the kingdom of the master would increase. 
the last person. What did he do with his? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I only got one. Man, that guy, he, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and hide it away and do my own thing. I'm just going to put it away because I don't want to lose it. I don't want to lose it. I don't want to risk anything. And it's really not that much. It's only one. They have more. He had gained nothing because he risked nothing. He didn't use that talent. There was no increase because there was no investment. He went about life doing his own thing. And then the master returns saying, okay, what have you done with what I gave you? What have you done with what I gave you? And he says to the master, well, here it is, master. Here it is. Here it is. The master says, you didn't do anything with it. You didn't do anything of significance with this. You sat on it. Never used it to see the kingdom advanced. I gave it for a purpose, and that purpose was to build the kingdom. The master takes the talent back, and he redistributes it and gives it to the faithful one. The man's life equaled nothing. It had ultimately been a waste. I think you can see the message here. We look in the scripture, it's pretty obvious. The message here and how it applies to each of us. Each person is given talents and abilities, skills and giftings that we read about in Scripture for a purpose. And it's more than just building up our own kingdom, and it's more than just wearing as a trophy. It's intended to see God's kingdom advancing, God's kingdom flourishing, God's kingdom growing. And the promise is that you will then inherit and come into the master's kingdom. It's not meant for fearfully hiding it away, but faithfully risking it. It's for something greater. It's something eternal, God's kingdom. I remember when I first came to church, I was a young man of just 17 years old. I had said yes to Jesus, and um, I came to this church about this size, and I remember walking through the back doors, and I've mentioned this to you before. There was an aisle down the middle, and there was a band playing up on the stage just like this, and there was really it was good music, and I thought, man, this is a great place. And I got plugged into this church, and I started attending on a regular basis, and I realized, man, i got to do something. I can't just be a spectator. i got to be a participator because there was something inside of me saying, I want to get involved. I want to do something. And I didn't know what my giftings were. I didn't know what my abilities were. So I, so I went to, to this old guy. His name was Raleigh Ladd. And he was the old guy that ran all the ushers. He was kind of a hard-nosed guy. And I came to him and said, hey, hey, I want to get involved. I want to I help out. Because I saw them carrying the money around. The ushers were carrying the money around. I thought, that would be kind of cool. You know, I could help out with the money. And I, I thought, okay, I'll help out with that. And, and I remember uh, he goes, okay, come back next Sunday. I want you to have a jacket on, and I'll teach you how to, how to be an usher. Okay, good. I'll, I'll do that. And, uh, and so I, I came, and I had the jacket on. I was real nervous, and I wanted to do everything right. And I remember standing there at the back trying to look all church-like, you know, whatever that means. And uh, Raleigh comes, okay, okay, uh, I'll, you just go when I tell you to go, and you come when I tell you to come back. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So I'm just, I've got my, I'm trying to look all cool, and there was a girl at the church that I thought was really cute, and I wanted to make sure that she noticed me, and I wasn't really listening to the preacher talking a whole lot, and, um, 
you know, it's kind of like the teacher on uh, Charlie Brown, you know, wah, 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 wah. I didn't hear what was going on. And then Raleigh Ladd comes over and goes, go, go, it's time. And I'm like, oh, oh, it's time. Because uh, I didn't know what was happening. And so I walked down the middle of the aisle trying to look all cool, walking down the aisle. And I stood there right there at the front row. And I was waiting. And I was thinking, okay, I'm, I'm supposed to be up here. And I started to hear some snickering and laughing. And, and I kind of looked back behind me, and Raleigh Ladd's in the back laughing and laughing. And I'm thinking, oh, no, what, 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 something's wrong. And the, and the lady on the front row was the pastor's wife. She, she kind of goes, what, what are you, young man, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm, I'm ushering. The guy told me to come forward, so I'm supposed to usher, right? I'm supposed to take the money and stuff right now. And she goes, no, the pastor just called the elders of the church to come forward. You the youngest elder we ever had. I got all red. I turned around, walked back. That was my first and last day ushering at that church. That was not my gifting. That was not my skill. That was not my ability. And this Raleigh lad. Well, I tried everything at this church, man. I went into the nursery. I served in the nursery, and I served faithfully there as long as I could. Then I moved on to a thing called Royal Rangers, and I served there faithfully with Royal Rangers. Got myself some patches and some beads and things. And then one day, uh, a guy comes up to me and says, hey, his name's George Mangum. He says, hey, Kelly, well, there's no youth group here. We need, to, we need to start reaching some teenagers. And you're like 19 years old. You're close to their age. I'm 30 years old. Would you help me out with that? I'm like, sure, I, why not? And because there was a need, I said yes. The cool thing about that was, as I said yes to the need, by saying yes to the need, I began to discover a gift that I had with young people and sharing the love of God with young people and being able to identify with some of the things that they were struggling with, to empathize with the things that they were dealing with. Long story short, after a year or two of that, I ended up becoming the youth pastor of that youth group. And Ultimately, hundreds and hundreds of kids in the high desert would come to know Jesus because I said yes to Jesus and I began to discover my gifts and my abilities and my talents. I remember driving down the 10 freeway when I was in college. I was on my way to Cal Poly Pomona. I was studying biochemistry and I was thinking, you know what, I'm going to be a a pharmaceutical person, and I'll probably teach on the side because I discovered through that youth ministry that I had this gifting to teach, to, to be able to help communicate deep principles to young people so that they can understand it and grasp it. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to go to school, and I'm going I'm to I'm become a rich pharmaceutical person. I'll teach people how to take pills better. I don't know, something along those lines. I was thinking about my own self, and I was thinking about my own kingdom, and I can remember very clearly right over off the 10 freeway, right by where the 57 and the 10 intersect, just getting ready to pull into Cal Poly Pomona, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, choose. Choose? I get emotional because I can trace back to where God said, choose this day whom you'll serve. I've shown you what your giftings are and where will you use those gifts. You can make a better pill and help people take away their pain for a while and teach them how to take away their pain for a while. Or you can bring them the gospel. Corny, I know. I was a young man. <laughs> kind of heard corny things from God. But you can give them the gospel and teach them 
Teach them how to solve the eternal problem and deal with eternal pain. And I remember saying yes to Jesus, using those gifts and saying, God, I'm going to seek you first. Seek your kingdom first and your righteousness. Use my gifts for the gospel. Listen, each person, each person who has said yes to Jesus is empowered to use those gifts for his glory and for his honor. Those gifts for a greater purpose than just our own kingdom and our own achievements. God wants to see you fulfilled in your life. That's why you have certain passions and certain preferences. Saying, yes, Jesus, I'll put these gifts and these talents to you first. And then everything will follow. So now let's think about that uh, theme verse. Uh, Emma, can we jump back to that theme verse that Jesus gave us in the very beginning? Yes. Therefore, don't be anxious saying, what shall we eat or drink or what shall we wear? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added. There's a promise that says when you bring last week your time and submit it to God, he'll take care of it. When we bring our talents and abilities to God and say, God, I want to use these for you, he'll take care of the rest. It's a promise from the Lord, a guaranteed promise. When we use those gifts for his kingdom, then guess what? Here's what happens. We begin to experience true fulfillment and true purpose. We find out why we were designed on purpose and for a purpose. When we say, Lord, take my gifts and abilities and use them for you first. Let's think practically. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But let me talk really quickly about the reward because there's another verse I want to show you. The reward that we receive is incredible when we do that. And there's a reward that we get when we stand before Jesus. We have a promise that when we stand before Jesus someday, when we use those gifts and talents for him first, take a look what this verse says. Matthew 25, 21. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. There's a promise. There's a promise there with a great reward. One of the primary purposes of being part of this community of faith called Refinery Church is to see you empowered to be who God has created you to be and to do the things that God has created you to do. To identify and use those talents, those gifts and abilities and see them fulfilling, being fulfilled. And when we work together, those unique giftings and bring them together, we will encounter and we will see others encounter the love of God when we're working together because it's like a beautiful symphony. I don't know if anybody has ever heard a symphony, but oh my gosh, what a beautiful, beautiful sound when all the unique instruments are working together and playing together. It just sounds like heaven. There's individuals in our congregation that are doing that. Cat Tippin. She has talents with graphic arts, and she helps to create the flyers and the promos that we use to help invite people to come to church, to tell you about information about gatherings that are happening. Her gifts and her talents and abilities, she's saying, absolutely, Kelly, what can we do? How can, we be How can I be used? And these people then get to hear and experience the love of God, and they hear the gospel. Thank you, Kat, for using your gifts at our congregation. Alex Mora. 
Unfortunately, he's not here tonight, but I wanted to highlight him. Alex Mora has these gifts and abilities and talents with creating visual imagery that communicates a beautiful message of God's love through Love Story and Refinery Church. This builds God's kingdom using those gifts and talents and abilities for the love of God. Josh Pumphrey and our media team saying, I have these abilities and gifts to make things sound good, look good. So they're able to communicate. We're able to communicate and preach the word of God. And it results in people saying yes to Jesus. And lives are transformed. Pastor Alvaro Mora has this incredible gift of mercy. If you've ever encountered or worked with Pastor Alvaro Mora, he has this incredible gift of mercy. And he's able to care for people in challenging times of life. He serves as our pastoral care leader. And this practically demonstrates God's love. These are people who are using their gifts and saying, God, use me. Use me. This room is full of gifts and talents and abilities. And when we come together, you know what we're going to see? When we come together and begin to use these gifts for God, we're going to see people's lives transformed. They're going to experience the love of God. And then guess what? We'll get to experience the true fulfillment, the true purpose of being used by God and seeing our lives matter. How can we discover these gifts and abilities? Well, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to be giving opportunities for you uh, to use those talents and gifts in God's kingdom. We're moving into a new season at Refinery Church. We're becoming a toddler. We are. March, the first Saturday in March, we're going to be celebrating our one-year anniversary. I'm sorry, (laughs) our two-year anniversary. That's right. Wow, a whole year went by. We're going to be celebrating our two-year anniversary. That means we're moving into our toddler years, which means, you know, when you get a toddler, it's time for some new shoes, some new pants. They're starting to walk and talk a little bit more, starting to run around, starting to scrape their knees. That's going to be us as a church, and we're going to be stepping up. And I'm going to be saying, hey, it's time to step up and start using those talents and abilities for God's kingdom. And I'm going to invite you to be a part of it. The harvest of salvation is ready. There's no time to wait. And we all play a part in that. Those God-given talents and abilities and gifts are for you and I to work together to see the kingdom of God advance. So, hopefully something is stirring in your mind right now. What are my talents and gifts and abilities? And how can I use them? For eternal things, not just temporary things, but things that are going to last forever. I want to pray for you right now. I'm going to pray that God would begin to reveal those gifts to you, and I'm going to begin to share a few practical ways to discover some of those gifts. But let me pause right now and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I felt challenged that we as a congregation need to begin to seek you first in our time and now with our talents. And say, God, how can my talents be used? Talents of construction. Talents of finance. Talents with mercy and and care and hospitality. Talents of teaching and preaching. Talents of serving and fixing and building. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ right now that you would begin to mobilize us. Begin to reveal to each and every individual in this space how we can be used by you together in community 
to see your love advancing into a world that seems to be hurting and broken and lost. Lord, you gave a word to Christina Garcia that you love the lost. Well, we need to love the lost too, and we need to come together, Lord God, and bring our talents and abilities together so that we can see lost sheep come back into the fold of Jesus Christ. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed and nobody looking around, take a moment to say, God, show me those things, those talents and abilities that I can use for you and how I can use them for you. For things that matter most. For things that are eternal. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Now, you might be saying, okay, Kelly, I, I get it, but how do I discover some of these gifts? Well, um, there's a number of personality tests that you might be familiar with. Uh, Myers-Briggs, uh, Berkman, um, the, the Enneagram, Enneagram. There's a number of them out there that you can try. Those help to discover how you're wired, your personality. And I, I would recommend some of those are really good. Uh, try some of those out. But tonight what I want to do is I want to be able to give you guys that, that are interested, I want to give you a little assessment, uh, a little spiritual, little spiritual gifts assessment. And I printed one up for everybody that would like to take one. It's a simple assessment to help you discover what your spiritual bent is. Now, this is not 100% perfect. This is not going to say, okay, this is exactly how you are. This is a man-made tool to help you begin to discover what your spiritual gifts are. You'll answer very simply about 40 or 50 questions. You'll total them up, and then it'll kind of show. It's kind of fun to do. kind of says this is your bent towards this direction of spiritual gifts. It gives some explanations in there. It explains how those gifts can be used practically. I want to encourage you. Take the assessment, because over the next few weeks and months to come, I'm going to be saying, hey, who, who, who operates in these kinds of gifts? We need that over here. Who operates in these kinds of gifts? we gotta, we got to move over in this direction over here. Various areas of the church, and you'll have a better idea of where you can serve. But first, say, I will allow God to use my talents that he gave me, but first for his kingdom and his righteousness. Amen? Amen. Tonight was a very practical time. Uh, we've got a few more things we're going to be talking about in the next uh, couple of weeks on But First, as we prepare and move towards our two-year anniversary, the first week of March, we're going to have a big celebration. I wanted to kind of bring it up to you to begin to pray about who you can invite to our two-year anniversary celebration. We've got some things that we're working on and planning. We want to have you a part of it. If you're a guest with us for the first time here again tonight, Thank you once again. Come on back next week. We're going to continue on in this series, and there's a number of things that we're going to be covering to help you be more productive and to help prioritize what matters most. For more information about Refinery Church, like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at We Are Refinery. If these messages have blessed you, please consider supporting the ministry by visiting our website at wearerefinery.com give.